Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Mile high huddle, everybody in Broncos country. Welcome into another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I'm your host, Lance Sanderson, and joining me as per usual is my good friend and colleague. He is Mile High Huddle's senior NFL draft analyst, the one and only Eric Trickle. Eric, what's up, buddy? How we doing? Dude, I'm doing great, man. Got some good friends, or got some good news about a good friend of mine, a good friend yep. of the podcast, yep. Luke Boglaze. I mean, he's moving on up in the coaching world. Um, got a new position, full time position. Like super excited for ha- for that. Good news with the family. A bunch of other good news. Like just it's been a really good day, man. Yeah, it, it, it's always good to hear from Luke. I want to. I was actually talking to you about him. I, I believe it was yesterday, saying you need to get him back into the into the fold, back on the podcast, and see if he wants to come chop it up on some of these running backs or the running game specifically. I actually kind of want to pick his brain a little bit about Nathaniel Hackett and what he knows about you know uh, wide zone, outside zone stuff like that, and kind of maybe explain a little bit of the ins and outs and the X's and O's of uh, running the the West Coast scheme and stuff like that. Um, and especially specifically, like I said, the wide zone and maybe, you know, pick his brain on what you look for in a running back and stuff like that. Cause we were having a really fun conversation. Well, at least you and Nick, where I wasn't able to really join in that, but uh, about uh, uh, Javante Williams and his fit in wide zone scheme and also about Melvin Gordon, but guys uh, today, a couple of big announcements. Well, really one big announcement happened first thing this morning. Uh, the Denver Broncos are going to be bringing on or expected to bring on per Ian Rappaport, uh, Dom Capers, who was uh, formerly the defensive coordinator at the Green Bay Packers, won a Super Bowl there, also a two-time head coach, a very well-known and widely respected defensive coordinator. Uh, They're going to bring him on as a senior assistant to the expected new defensive coordinator, Ejiro Evero, who is currently with the Los Angeles Rams. But before we get into any of that, guys, I want to say hello to everybody here. Uh, Chase Wellner in the the house tonight. Kathy Lund, good to see your face here. Uh, And Paul, no. You may not flag Lance and Eric for delay a podcast. We were running through some uh, information that we had to get started, uh, had to run through before we could actually get started tonight. So excuse me. Um, EJ, what's going on? Jeff Noyes as well. Todd Ostendorf. Yes, we know we're a couple minutes late, guys. Just bear with us. Apologies. At least we're not like Chad and Zach where it's like, what, 15, 20 (laughs) minutes delayed? Like those guys, those guys don't understand what punctual means. I swear to God, sometimes it's bad. (laughs) Listen up, Broncos country. TickPick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Huddle Up podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Denver Broncos football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Broncos tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T I C K. 
P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's right, guys. When we were searching for tickets for the MHH meet and greet for week three at home, Broncos versus Jets, TickPick had us locked down. So visit TickPick.com slash huddle today and use the promo code huddle to save $10 on your first order of Broncos tickets. All right. Now, Eric, Dom Capers, what do you know? I mean, the biggest thing is like I've seen a lot of people freaking out about because his ending in Green Bay wasn't the best. That defense kind of floundered a lot. And I mean, looking at that, they didn't always have consistent talent. They had some good pieces, lack of depth, just multiple issues there. And but it's kind of moot. I mean, he's kind of being brought in. It's not going to be, oh, he's being brought in to implement his scheme. He's being brought in just kind of help the inexperienced coaches, coach the coaches. And that's something that both Nathaniel Hackett and George Payton have talked about. They wanted to bring in coaches as assistants and senior assistants to help coach the coaches, to help them with the aspect of like um, teaching players and those aspects of it and kind of just have a um, more structure to their, their uh, coaching staff. So that's kind of what it's for. I mean, his base scheme is pretty much three, four, some hybrid fronts, zone blitz, like, and there's going to be some of that. I wouldn't be surprised if Evero is bringing in some elements of that into his defense and his base is pretty much what is expected to be basically what Vic Fangio run two high shells, things like that. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a good move for the aspect of coaching the coaches. Yeah. If it was a move where he was coming in to like be the guy, I'd be a little bit more hesitant um, just because of some issues that were there in green Bay with his coaching um, there are some elements of not putting players in their best chances to succeed, stuff like that. Um, but I mean, for what he's being brought in to do, it's a good hire. Like you can't complain about it. Well, and what you just said there about not putting his players in the best positions to succeed, especially later down the road, um, something that Dom Capers did. And this was actually one of the reasons why he got let go in green Bay was uh, his handling of clay Matthews towards the end. They needed an off ball linebacker, but moving clay Matthews, who was already starting to decline that way um, was not quite the same player that he was Uh, getting him off the ball was not a very good idea. And that was Dom Capers move there. So um, that's something you got to kind of watch out for, but I do agree with you. This is a, a, an experience deal. I've got his Wikipedia page pulled up. So bear with me for a second here, guys Um, started coaching back in the early seventies back in college college um kent state was a quality assistant um defensive backs coach graduate assistant as well um broke out in the nfl in 1986 as a defensive backs coach for the new orleans saints has been in the nfl ever since um fun fact about dom capers he's actually uh the he was the very first head coach in carolina panthers history back in 1996 and then a couple seasons later he ended up getting fired and then was uh, he got a, a defensive coordinator job? I believe it was with Pittsburgh. Let me see this really fast. Uh, yeah, he was a he was a defensive coordinator, in, or excuse me, in Jacksonville. And then he was hired as the uh, very first head coach in franchise history for the Houston Texans. So he was um, a, essentially a new franchise head coach for the first time two times. So he's got plenty of experience as a head coach, plenty of experience as a defensive coordinator, um, especially in the secondary as a defensive backs coach as well. So I really like this move. Um, it, it's it's going to bring some 
stability, like Eric said, you know, coaching the coaches, getting these guys kind of in the, the right mind frame of what their job's supposed to be, how to kind of go about their day-to-day structure, um, helping organize practices and stuff like that. And because this staff is young, there's not very much experience, if any at all, specifically as far as like play calling. I mean, Nathaniel Hackett has that. But as far as building up a, 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 a daily schedule for an organization, nobody has that experience. So bringing in a guy like this, I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, with Clint Kubiak as, as the quarterback's coach and passing game coordinator, uh, see Gary Kubiak be a, a potential like sounding board or something like that. So I really like this move as well. And Eric, um, yeah, I mean, it's coming up aces. Again, Nathaniel Hackett and his staff is is doing a great job so far. I, I like what, what's going on in Denver right now. It's a – it's a one way to look at it is it's kind of a changing of the guard. I mean, yep. we've, I mean, Vance Joseph was a younger coach, but the staff around him was a little bit on the older side. Vic Fangio was on the older side, and we had a lot of older coaches, and they're going young. They're going inexperienced, which may turn around and bite them in the butt, but that's just the way things are starting to head in the NFL, wanting to go younger, wanting to go with these guys, these coaches that have huge upside that you can sit there and try to develop into be better coaches. Because we've hit that point where these older coaches are kind of are stubborn and they're stuck in their ways, not willing to adapt. Technology's bad, um, music's bad, things like that, and that was a big issue with Vic Fangio. Yeah. So it's more openness um, and uh, more modern um, thinking for what the what direction the NFL is going. Yeah, for sure. I mean. Obviously, with with the younger players, uh, stuff like that. Sorry, I was reading this comment from Travis Weber. I'm going to pull that here in a second. Um, but uh, the, the the younger players, this generation, it's the YouTube generation, as Nathaniel Hackett likes to call it. Um, with uh, you got to figure out a new way to connect with these guys. So music of practices, um, having some pop culture references. That's why I really like this. Um, the, the, like Eric said, the changing of the guard, this new direction, this, these fresh ideas and stuff like that. Um, guys that seemingly are connecting better with these younger players. Um, there's also some personal connections with a lot of these people as well. I know that uh, Ijiro Evero was a quality control assistant with Dom Capers back in, I think it was in 2016, one of his last seasons in Green Bay as the uh, defensive coordinator. Obviously, Nathaniel Hackett, Justin Outen have some connections there as well. Um, so it's, it is, you know, a lot of the same old guys coming back together, but it's still a bunch of fresh ideas coming together and they need that father figure essentially. And that's what Dom Capers is going to be here. So I'm going to, with that guys, I'm going to grab this question from Travis Weber because it's actually a really good one. Uh, he says, good evening, Lance, Eric Scott and Broncos country uh, with stars on this as well. And thank you, Travis, for that. Uh, Eric, I was totally thinking the same. We need an experienced ear for the young blood to be uh, being brought in. But is it too much to say that he is the defensive equivalent to Pat Shermer? LOL, JK. But I agree, it is a good hire. Um, no, because I think that there's enough of a track record of Don Capers like having great years as a defensive coordinator with great defenses. Whereas with Pat Shermer, it was really one year, and it was kind of a flash in the pan, and he was just average the rest of it. Yeah. Um. But I could definitely see the case as to why some can feel that it's a similar eye to that. And the biggest thing for me is, like, Pat Shermer was brought in as the office coordinator. It was his his scheme, his offense. He's the play caller. He's doing all that. Whereas with Dom Capers, again, he's just there to coach the coaches. Be that experienced year for such a young staff, as you said. And it's great to see you back in here, Travis. We missed you last week. Yeah, we really did. It, it's, it's great to have you back, man. 
Um, hopefully everything is going well with you as well. Uh, it's great to be able to discuss with you sometimes behind the scenes. So yes, uh, thank you, Travis. Uh, Rock Chalk jumping in here uh, with a generous super chat. We thank you, Rock Chalk, for joining us. Uh, the schedule is finally allowing me to join in live. Until now, I've had to watch and listen later on. I just want to show some appreciation for both of you. Go Broncos. <laughs> and hey, Rock Chalk Broncos, we appreciate you, man. Thank you for that. We appreciate that. Uh, we appreciate everybody in here, as always. Everyone joining into got what 170 pairs of eyes. It looks 169 pairs of eyes in the show tonight. So yeah, uh, I got a quick question here. Cody Damron wanted to ask: uh, Could you explain the stars? Um, it, that's Facebook's version of being able to support the show. Um, you don't have to do any of that. We we don't want. I mean, we want that, but not necessarily. We're gonna you know ask for that. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, stars is, is a way of donating and supporting the show on Facebook um, for Facebook supporters and stuff like that. Uh, Facebook.com slash mile high huddle. But uh, that's that's what that is. So, Cody, thank you for that. Um, all right. Enough on Dom Capers, because Eric and I had this idea. Like Eric actually shot it to me on Tuesday um, earlier this week. And we that's something we've done on the show before. Yeah, we, we actually do this. Pretty much. So last week we obviously did the mock draft. If you guys haven't checked that, uh, haven't got a chance to see that, uh, youtube.com slash mile high huddle, go check that out. Um, we did uh, a, a mock draft with everybody as in the chat group, being the, the general manager, we're your, your scouting staff. So usually the week after that, we actually do this. It's would you rather? So NFL draft related questions. Would you rather like, say, for example, um, how about we just start right into it here? So Eric. Number nine overall is where the Denver Broncos are currently picking. And if you uh, want to buy into the, the fact that they're actually, you know, going to go into Aaron Rodgers, they're not going to be picking at number nine overall. However, they're, and now I've, I'm going to say that the Broncos are picking at number nine overall. They missed out on Aaron Rodgers and they missed out on Russell Wilson as well. And they had to go with a bridge quarterback, like a, um, let's just say specifically Marcus Mariota. And they're going to head to the number nine overall draft pick uh, to take a quarterback, a quarterback of the future. Would you rather draft Malik Willis or Matt Corral? Neither. <laughs> like I don't. I don't want to take either quarterback at number nine. I don't want to take any quarterback at nine, number nine. Um, but being being those two options, so what? The, just a quick tell you, explain what this is. It's basically given one or two players, and it can be one player at nine or one player at forty, and so on and so forth. Of which one would we rather do? And for me, in this case, is I'd rather go with Malik Willis. I just think that there's so much more there to work with and with, with the arm. I think he, it's a better arm. I think he's got far more athleticism. I just think that there's so much more to work with and I'm not as concerned about his offense that he worked in transitioning to the NFL as I am with Matt Corral. Matt Corral has some size concerns as well. Then there's that injury. And then there's been rumblings of off field stuff that I haven't, I haven't personally dug into or anything it's just been rumblings of it um i think it was daniel jeremiah and bucky brooks talked about it on their podcast a couple weeks ago um was that was a i mean outside of nick mentioning it that was the first time i actually really heard it um so yeah i just kind of go with malik willis over matt corral but i, I don't i don't feel good about it i wouldn't take either of these any of these quarterbacks at night. I, I'm with you on that, Eric. And uh, just to be clear, I 
I only have one first round grade right now on a uh, on a quarterback, and that is Matt Corral. But it's a low first round grade. Similarly, it's about about where I had um, Drew Locke. I was more comfortable taking Drew Locke at ten than I was that I am taking any of these quarterbacks. I have a, a late first round grade on Matt Corral right now, so that's where I w- would go. Um, I think there's a little bit more refinement to him. He's not quite NFL ready yet, but I think that he has a shorter way to go to be NFL ready than Malik Willis would be. However, I do think that Malik Willis with the tools that he has, has an incredibly high upside. There's just so much you got to do to get him there before you can actually witness that upside. So to me, I would rather, if you're taking a quarterback at nine, I would go with the more finished product that still has some upside that you can still work with and mold a little bit and really compares nicely to a Marcus Mariota. They have very similar skill sets. So uh, that, that would be the way that I would go in that certain situation. But if you're taking a quarterback at nine, you're doing it the wrong way anyways this season. Uh, Michael yeah. Ronquillo jumping in here. Nothing to say, just sowing some love with a very generous stars donation. And Michael, we appreciate you, buddy, as always for joining us. And I know that everybody, uh, as far as the Huddle Up Podcast Network is concerned, is, uh, appreciates all of your guys' support. Uh, Claude jumping in here as well. Go Broncos. Uh, thank you for that, Claude. Eric, go ahead. I was going to say, it's like um, one thing that's awesome about the Senior Bowl is how much they're going forward with technology aspects of it. And talking about arm strength, like everybody expected Carson Strong to be up there. He was near the bottom with all the uh, measurements for that, with the velocity, the miles per hour, the spin rate, all that stuff like that. And Malik Willis was consistently there at the top. And you you want this combination of tools and traits and then having the intelligence on it. And the tools and traits alone, I think, is far more supreme with Malik Willis. Yeah. you're trying to compete with Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. You got to go heavy into that aspect and hope you can bring the other stuff along. That's also part of why is of the two, I'm going Malik Willis because again, better tools, better traits. You can go heavier into that and then work on the other stuff. That's that's a fair point as well. I, like like I said, the the intelligence there with Corral, um, it's a little bit more pro friendly of a scheme. They run some more pro friendly concepts, but it's really not a pro scheme by any stretch of the imagination. For Corral, um, yeah, for Corral. Uh, no, it's they hardly run any pro concepts, man. Okay, so I, yeah, it's it's kind of it's messy. Heavy RPO playing off of that open receiver, easy reads. Okay, I I've got it backwards, and I sorry, apologies there. Regardless, the, the I I think that you see, like I said, some, a more finished product with Corral. I'll just go back to that. Um, more finished product with Corral with where he's at, um, and would rather go in that direction to try to you know, get him on the field earlier. And then maybe hopefully those tools that he does have, he's got a live arm and he's got pretty decent footwork. It's more consistent than Malik Willis. So there's something more like a a, a steadier base to work with, with Willis to me. So that's why why I would go that way. Um, Moving on here. We got Malcolm Brown jumping in here with a, with a super chat and a, would you rather question for you? It actually ties into the next one that I had here. Would you rather reach farther for a right tackle or for an edge? And I'm going to narrow this down specifically here. Would you rather take Trevor Penning at number nine overall or wait for somebody like Nicholas Petit-Frere or uh, Bernard Raymond at 40 overall? Oh, um, Yeah, I, I came with the juice, dude. I hope you know <laughs> I got some good ones here. Honestly, like, I honestly, I think I would go with Trevor Penning. I when I released my first initial top 75 board and my position rankings, he was right up there as a top 15 pick for me. 
depending on what we saw at the Senior Bowl. He didn't show enough for him for me to really drop him a lot. Um, I like Bernard Raymond. Um, NPF, I think he's tumbled for me a little bit, doing more digging on him, watching into him. Um, so he's kind of falling for me. I wouldn't want him at 40. I'm not sure I'd want him in top 50, really. Um, and Bernard Raymond, I mean, he's helped himself a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's there at 40. Um, if he was, I mean, it'd be hard to pass up because in that opinion, it's value, but you're betting on him being there. Right. There's a good chance that Trevor Penning's there. I would take that because I think he's got great upside. I love I love the attitude. I know there's people I've spoken to that they weren't as high on the attitude. Um, there was a situation where he supposedly punched one of the defensive linemen in the gut, mm-hmm. um, led to some issues with that. Um, one play, he threw it, the edge rusher basically into the quarterback's knees. Desmond Ritter was the quarterback. So there's things you got to clean up. He opens his chest up pretty easily, pretty early on. Um, so there's things you got to work with, but there's so there's so much you have that there that you can work with that it's just a bet that I'd be willing to take. Yeah. Hey, guys, if you have any of these questions, please feel free. Drop a super chat really fast so we make sure that we can grab all of those. Um, and Or if you're on Facebook, stars as well, we can actually see those. So um, that way we don't miss anybody. If you guys got a would you rather question, please uh, don't like feel free. Jump into the conversation. We'll uh, answer as many of these as we can. Um, I'm with you, honestly. As far as um, – Gary, I'll get to you here in a second. I want to wrap this up for a second on, on Trevor Penning. Uh, one thing that I didn't like about him when I watched him the other day, I was watching the um, Southern Illinois game that he had, and then um, I can't remember the other one um, off the top of my head, but I watched a, a couple of his games. He moves so well. He's got great athleticism. It, it, he's good in his pass sets. He's physical. He's aggressive. He's got good, violent hands. Like There's a lot to like with him. But something you see with him way more often than not is when he gets out in front in space, he whiffs really bad. He drops his head. His hands get low. He doesn't stay square to his target. And he misses a lot of open field blocks where if you're in an outside zone scheme and you get out in front of a play like that, you need to be able to make contact and then finish the block going that way. And I wasn't a fan of him there. Like that's a big knock to me, especially knowing that we're going into this wide zone scheme that Nathaniel Hackett wants to run. That is a big red flag to me. It's something you can coach him though. Um, he gets over, it gets over his skis a little bit and gets off balance. So that to me is, is something, but it's, those are all coachable issues at nine might be a little rich for me. However, if, if that's the direction that the Broncos want to go, I would be perfectly okay with that. Yeah. You can't teach size. You can teach the techniques. You can yep. teach the, the process and you can teach the other aspects. You can't teach size and size is something that he has. Yes, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Gary Leeds Palmer jumping in here with a generous stars donation here. Hey, Lance, Eric, and Scott. Uh, good to see that uh, Hack is bringing in some experience to support his picks. I like the proactive approach. And yeah, Gary, uh, you're jumping. We're in lockstep here. Like, quite honestly, we both really like this move. Um, I saw some stuff on Twitter earlier today that was didn't make a whole lot of sense. And I don't know necessarily the history behind Dom Capers in Green Bay, but uh, there was a lot of people saying, and it was like jokingly, I guess, was saying that uh, if Dom Capers is actually coming here, goodbye to Aaron Rodgers because uh, he's not going to go be around Dom Capers. And I don't see the logic behind that. Eric, do you know anything more about that? No, like, I don't. Is, is, um, I, th- I think it's as from the outside in with that. Um, I mean, we all it's very well known that there was a lot of issues between Rodgers and the old coaching staff under Mike McCarthy. So that could partially, that could be part of the reason there not wanting to go back into that aspect of it. But I don't, I don't know. I can't speak how much of that was Mike McCarthy, how much of that was Don Cape, Don Capers. Right. Hmm. I don't know why there would be any 
issues there. Yeah. It, like to me, yeah. it, especially in an advisory role where he's just going to be kind of coaching the coaches and not have really any say on what actually happens on the field. And, it, um, and it's, on top of it, he's not going to have much to do with the offense. Right. Like, exactly. It, like, it'll be strictly working with the, on the defense side of the ball. So if he has anything to do with players, it's just going to be on that side of the ball. He might see Aaron Rodgers passing through the building. Yeah, it, it, as Scott put it in our private chat, like he may never even see a football field. He's probably just going to be a backroom guy pretty much the entire time that he's in Denver. And who knows how long that's going to be? Is it just this season? Is he going to be on staff and moved into an, a full-time advisory role um, for the, the length of time that Nathaniel Hackett's here? Like what does Dom Capers want to do? Um, we don't know those details yet. We probably will never find those out unless we you know, get some sourced information. So, uh, I mean – I, I'm about this move. I really do like it. I, I I also don't think that it's necessarily a super newsworthy deal. So we kind of discussed it a little bit. Um, if you guys want some more of our thoughts on that, go back to the beginning of the show and uh, you, you can hear some more about that. Travis Weber jumping back in here as well. Uh, personally, I would bring in Marcus Mariota on like a two-year deal and ride it out last year with Locke and draft a quarterback in 2023. Draft an edge rusher if we don't get Rodgers or Wilson. Eric, what do you think about that? I mean, if you don't land one of the big veteran quarterbacks, you may as well roll with Locke and yeah. let him lead you to a top five pick. I <laughs> like, try to try to get one of the top quarterbacks next year. I mean, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, um, like there's some other guys that could potentially help themselves. Like next year's quarterback class is Grayson McCall better than this year. So I'm fine with playing into that. I, I'm all right with it too. I like um Marcus Mariota is intriguing to me. Uh, former, I, I guess we'll throw it in quotations here. Uh, former franchise quarterback for the Tennessee Titans. If you look really like Adam statistically, he's not a terrible quarterback. He's got great mobility. He can throw on the run pretty well. It, there's just something that didn't work out with him. I'm not saying, you know, throw like all your chips on him as your last gasp, you know, to, to try to get the, the situation fixed completely. But it would be a lot more fun to watch a guy running around the field and throwing the football and using his legs to extend some plays than it was watching Teddy Bridgewater this last year. Like, let's just be honest here. And um, Sinji actually comes in and brings up a, uh, another part. A uh, good point is being a loser for another year is hard. It is. Yep. And what's making going to make that harder is that there's a new owner coming. Yep. George Payton, Nathaniel Hackett with a new owner coming, like, I don't know how on the outside, I don't know how secure their jobs would be if they come in with a new owner and they don't go out and have done something big to go get a quarterback. Yeah. Cause new owners, like if that doesn't happen, changes are coming. So that's, that's why I think that they go get one of those quarterbacks, but this is a situation of if they don't, hopefully it would be a situation where if that happened, if they missed out, the new owner would be understanding, giving them another year, giving them the chance to go find somebody else, but just never know when new owners come into play. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's so hard. I mean, it, especially, let's see, we got the Byron Allen news last week um, or earlier this week, I think is what it was that Byron Allen announced that he was going to be um, putting a bid together. I saw something about Kanye West and Antonio Brown or like, it was so dumb. I think that's Kanye, more of a joke. Antonio more, Brown made some comment about yeah, it. Yeah. Like it, we, we just don't know. Um, and new owners, d depending on who it is, they could come in and tear down the entire facility, move it all the way out by DIA and build a whole new infrastructure complex for the Broncos. And, you know, it's so hard to tell what's actually going to happen here. So um, it's going to be interesting to see it play out. But I I'm, think it's I'm to say that they won't move out of Denver, though. No, I don't think they will either. I, I, like, <laughs> That's pretty safe to say. 
there's such a great market here. This fan base, it, it travels forever. I mean, it's not only just Colorado. It's in, I mean, I, I live in Wyoming. Eric obviously lives in Alaska. This is a not a geographical, you know, uh, location. It's a state of being, being a Broncos fan. Um, but you've got like Wyoming, Montana, Idaho, parts of Utah, uh, Nebraska, North and South Dakota, a little bit in there as well. New Mexico, some parts of Arizona, like, like Broncos country is big. It's a, it's a big gigantic spot because it's the closest team to all of those States. Like, why would you want to leave a place where people are going to flock to your city to bring you lots and lots and lots of money to come and see the Broncos play? What they should do is like I just said, is build a complex outside of DIA, um, redo the infrastructure out there, throw up a whole bunch of hotels, uh, build a, a stadium with a rollback dome and uh, vie for either the combine or the NFL draft or a Super Bowl here in the next 10 years. That would be pretty cool. Uh, Peter Middleton jumping in here, uh, going back to Trevor Penning in this offensive tackle class, which seems to be pretty deep. Eric and I were talking about this earlier um, before we came live. Take the best tackle in Penning. Our new quarterback needs the most help that he can get. Now, Peter, I'm not sure if you're saying Penning's the best tackle in the class because that would be a, an interesting conversation. Uh, but as far as the tackles potentially available at number nine, Penning could be the best tackle available. Eric, why don't you talk about uh, top five guys really fast? Obviously, outside of Evan Neal, um, you've got uh, Iki Aquanu, uh, Charles Cross, Trevor Penning, and then who? Like, it's tough for me at the moment because I think that there's a few guys that are pretty close to it. Um, I think Bernard Raymond's not too far from it, and he's been getting a lot of hype going around. Um, Max Mitchell, I think first round's a little bit early for me, but um, I believe it was the guys over at Draft Network, and I think Dane uh, Brugler also talked about it on yeah. the podcast about being like a, a mid-late first-round pick. Um, and it's kind of leads to another point, like not just the offensive tackles, but this class and overall, like there's been so many players I've seen more than normal of like, Oh yeah, this guy could be a first round pick. It's just this, it's a grab bag class and it's really lacking the talent at the top, which helps lead to that. So, I mean, it's a good offensive, it's a good offensive line class, especially at tackle. There's plenty of guys. Um, we're Lance and I are sitting here working on making our top 100 board. And we started off with, what like 15 names at offensive tackle and i think yeah. we're, sitting, we're sitting like just under 10 now like yeah we're like still it's... trying to narrow it down a little bit and we're looking at looking at the 10 it's i'm not sure who we can cut from there um so it's a very strong class and don't have to get um a tackle early you can get one later and uh, hopefully be able to develop them and get them going and uh, become something yeah. Uh, Clayton Huron uh, says, great show as always. Uh, top it off later. He's got some family time and stuff like that. And Clayton's a great supporter of the show. Just want to give him a quick shout out. Uh, have a great weekend, buddy. Um, hopefully we'll see you guys. Uh, see you next week on Friday. Um, but uh, Michael, jumping back in here. I would rather have a right tackle in the NFL draft because the Broncos need to protect the right side of the offensive line. Thoughts? Uh, yeah, that's uh, probably the number one. Well, I guess I can't say that because quarterback is obviously the biggest need. Um I really think edge rusher is the, is the number one need like outside of the quarterback position, edge rusher is the number one need on this team. Um, I, I would be willing to go and get Bobby Massey back, um, see what he does with that athleticism in this new scheme and see if you can kind of just kick that can down the road a little bit. But uh, yeah, um, 
tackle would be uh, interesting. I would be okay with that. But edge and cornerback to me are bigger needs, honestly. Like, go go spend a little bit of money on on Bobby Massey and have some experience there and maybe roll with uh, – if you get Aaron Rodgers or you get a Russell Wilson, something like that, you can work around Bobby Massey's failures as an offensive tackle and pass protection. But, uh, yeah, throwing a rookie at that right now, probably not the idea that I would prefer to go in, but I could get behind it. I'm fine going a veteran out for right tackle as long as it's not Bobby Massey. <laughs> of like, course you are. Well, I mean, the thing is, is like he was worse in every statistical right. category than the offensive tackles were in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's getting going under the radar that that's the that's the case. He had a higher pressure rate. He had a higher sack rate than both um, Demar Dotson and Elijah Wilkinson combined. When you take all their numbers, it was an issue of the that and um, an issue that they had to switch him, which is why I think that there's some that believe Bobby Massey was great, but they didn't have an option really to go back behind Bobby Massey. You had Cameron Fleming and Calvin Anderson. And when they both got time, they both made it quite clear that they're really not options to be starters. Um, Calvin Anderson just can't play on the right side. He does yeah. better on the left side. And Cam Fleming is a terrible tackle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't it, even it, think that he'd be a great guard. Like it's, it's, it's his play is rough, so I'm fine going and getting a veteran guy. Just not Bobby Massey. I, it was just a name to throw out there. I'm not sure what the free agent tackle yeah. class looks like, so it, more or less it, like something like that. And like as, I said, um, as far as a, a tackle that can move and get out front, um, has pretty good athleticism, maybe being in a, in a zone scheme would help him just a little bit. Um, so that was more the direction that I was going there. Uh, and, and also quick passing, getting getting the quick passing game going would be a little bit better as well. And I know you're probably going to go pull some statistics and numbers and stuff like that <laughs> since that's what you always do. you got to prove me wrong. It's not no, no, it's just, unless Eric doesn't prove me wrong at least once. <laughs> like the, the one of the worst things about watching Bobby Massey was his movement, like climbing to the second level. Like it was rough, constantly missing. Like, I'm not wanting him in the outside zone, but as Scott said behind the scenes, it's like pay 2.2 million for him. We got what we paid for. And that's yep. exactly the case. Yep. And now you have a chance to go and pay a little bit more for a better option. Go do it. If, if you're not going into the, into the draft class, go get a better guy. Yeah, Nathan jumping in here with a $5 super chat, actually continuing on this offensive line uh, prospects conversation. Uh, does our strategy for drafting offensive lineman prospects in Hackett's scheme differ versus last year? Will we ba- draft based on scheme fit or best offensive lineman available? Um, yes and yes. It, it will more than likely you'll be you will draft the best offensive lineman available that will pseudo fit this scheme. Now, Scott and Eric and I were actually getting into a conversation about this. About most general managers won't go in there looking for scheme specific guys. They're going to just draft the best available player that they have there. However, um, there there's some conversations going on behind the back channels and stuff like that. This is there a better scheme fit, better athletic traits that you have for a certain scheme. Um, that, that might lead you in a different direction. Or if you have similar uh, grades on a player, scheme might come into the – like to be that tiebreaker, essentially. Eric, what do you think about that, though? Um, I definitely agree. And I think that for – of the positions, mm. all of the positions in the NFL, I think offensive line is one of the ones that it really matters the most. It does. You don't want big power guys who can't move working in an outside zone. No. Um, but that just – that's part of what goes into the evaluation a little bit from the coaching aspect of it. Um, it. It plays a part in it. And the Broncos, like, it's not just last year, the last couple of years of what they were looking for an offensive lineman has changed. 
Natani Moody, Lloyd Cushenberry, they're not the best fits. They're not the best movers. Their fit in this is going to be really rough. I think it'll be easier to try and get Cushenberry to fit than Moody. Um, but it's just not the best way to go about it. Um, and so you want guys who are athletic, that are strong, that can move well, guys that can get outside. And some guys have that scheme versatility. Um, some guy and some guys don't. And you're going to be looking for at least a little bit for guys who can fit what you're, what you want to do off on off the offensive line. Yeah. And Scott actually came in and he, he's dropping, uh, he says, this is his guy at right tackle, 24 year old free agent, uh, Chikuma Akorafor, who and I, I liked him a lot as well. Um, big, tall, athletic, strong guy plays pretty much in any scheme. Uh, he filled in a couple of years ago against the, uh, the Broncos. It, it was in Pittsburgh. I think that was the game that Locke got hurt. Um, and the, the the Steelers were actually down. They're starting right tackle and starting right guard. They've, uh, they started two guys that had never started a game, and Chukuma Akorafor was one of those guys. He gave up one pressure, zero sacks, and had a monster game. Uh, eventually became the starting right tackle for that team. If he's a free agent this year, yeah, let's go, buddy. Yep. And uh, what that, too, is like you obviously you want guys who have power. You don't just want athletic guys. Yep. There's a – a lot of disconnect there with fans that I see is like, oh, let's go get the athletic guy. He's athletic. And they're talking about guys who don't really have the strength to match up. And that's where the Broncos went wrong a few years ago with Ty Sambrello. Like, dude was athletic. Dude could move. He just was lacked any kind of strength or power to him. No core strength. Couldn't anchor. So, I mean, that just goes to that whole thing of you, you do look for guys who can fit multiple schemes and go for them. And those guys typically go higher than guys that are more scheme limited. Yeah, I, I gotta I gotta give a shout out to my uh, to one of my friends, um, Kevin Big Dog Jenkins. He's a, a guy that was a, a really good friend of mine. Um, I went to school with his with his kids. Uh, he was actually our offensive line coach back at the uh, Wheatland High School. Um, love that guy. Can't wait to see him this weekend. We're actually going to go down and go check out. Uh, he has a bowling alley and everything. It's a great great dude. Anyways. Um, when they drafted Ty, Ty Sambrello, he was like, I don't think I've ever seen an offensive tackle with sweeter feet than Ty Sambrello, but dude is weak. He has no upper body strength. Um, he can move around and do everything you want to, but he's got to get stronger. And I can't wait to show him this clip because to give him the shout out there. But uh, yeah, I love you, big dog. All right. I remember, Chase, real quick, I remember watching scouting Ty Sambrello, and I can't remember who it was against or anything. I just remember that there was an edge rusher who was more of an athletic edge rusher that just got underneath his pads and pushed Ty Sambrello over onto his back and like five yards away and ended up blowing up the quarterback for it. What ended up being a strip sack. Like that play stood out and it was in college and there was a similar play that happened in the NFL too. I think it was with Atlanta. And I just like, that's like, shouldn't be shocked. Like that's who he is. Yep. All right, Chase Wellner, uh, jumping in here on Super Chat. Uh, if we miss out round one, who are your favorite day two offensive tackles? Um, Bernard Raymond's one. Uh, Max Mitchell is another one. Um, oh, damn it. Uh, I cannot remember his name. And I don't have this, the, 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 I don't have it pulled up yet. Damn it. Eric, help me out here. Save me. I'm drowning. Day two offensive tackles. <laughs> Um, I got Raymond and Max Mitchell, and those were the only two I could remember. Off uh, Nicholas Petit Frere, sorry, that's that's another one I like. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot to work with NPF, and um, it's just a matter of just really getting that technique down. Uh, there's been some stuff coming up behind the scenes that, which you know, with this, you got to always take some of what you hear about off the field with a grain of salt. Um, 
without being able to talk to him, without being able to have, you know, go talk to coaches, it's hard to really speak. It's just hearsay for me. Uh, But there's stuff that is like kind of like makes me iffy on it if if it's true. Um, But I I really like Raymond. I really like Mitchell. If either one of them are there with the first Broncos second round pick, depending on what they do in the first round, obviously, I would go that way. Um, I also like Braxton Jones a little bit and taking him in the late third, I wouldn't be opposed to. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So let's get back to this. Would you rather here now that we're done through uh, actually Lawrence jumping in here on uh, throwing some stars down here. Uh, what's the best wide receiver in this draft guys, just in case we get rid of Jerry Judy. <sighs> um, Pick your guy. Like there's it's, I was gonna what, say, four it's, or so, five guys, five receivers that, you're going to hear a lot of this guy has this one as number one. This one has this one as number one. It's for a good me, wide I'm, still, I'm still working on finishing up my grades for the top wide receivers. Right now, it's looking like it's going to be Traylon Burks. Um, but I mean, again, it's pick your flavor. What do you want for it? Well, um, and- if the Broncos get rid of Judy, I'm just not sure they go and take one early. It's a pretty deep wide receiver class. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and there's options that you can get later on that can help fill what he's what you'll be losing in Jerry Judy. Yeah. And even um, KJ Hamler, who we're not sure how, when, how long it'll take for him to get back. Well, and like you said, I mean, there's, there's what, four or five guys at the top. You got Garrett Haskins, Chris Olave, the, the Ohio state kids. Um, Jameson Williams from Alabama is a good name. Traylon Burks is in there. Uh, I know Christian Watson from uh, North Dakota state is getting a lot of love in the second round. Um, Drake there's London, the one that's yeah, right at the top. Yeah. Guy. The, yeah. The USC kid. Um, there's a, uh, uh, Calvin, Calvin Austin or Watson, yeah. uh, Calvin Austin, Austin. Uh, Calvin Austin, the, the, uh, the Memphis kid, uh, jitterbug kid, uh, five, seven, five, eight. I think it was five, eight, one seventy three or something like that at the senior bowl. Um, jitterbug in and out kind of quick mover, kind of a guy that'd be a good slot receiver option there. Um, a late round guy that I really liked because he went to the university of my, uh, Montana, um, where I, I mean, all of my family lives in Montana, uh, Samori Toure, uh, and long speed, a uh, decent route runner, uh, all right athlete, but, uh, not like a, a, a great athlete. He transferred to the university of Nebraska this last year. I uh, had, um, he had two touchdowns in the shrine game. One of them was on a fade. The other one was, a. uh, I think it was a quick screen or something like that. Um, late round name to watch. Uh, probably if he gets drafted at all. But Samori Toure is a guy that kind of replaces that skill set pretty well. So that would be another name to look out for. Um, let's see here. Uh, Peter Middleton jumping in here. Uh, tackles take two or three years to develop, right? So how does the tackle class compare to previous years and the 2023 class? Um, Eric, I'm going to let you take this one away. You can pretty much, I mean, it takes time to develop, but you can get pretty good results from tackles right away. Um, interior offensive lineman is a little bit more bumpy. Um, for where it is, I would say that this tackle class, it's not as strong as, what, 2020? That's the year with Tristan mm-hmm. Moore. Yep. Like, they just had, that was just loaded at the top. I don't think this year's quite as loaded. Um, despite multiple names that can be talked about there, I think the top four or five guys from that class are better than the top few guys from this class um the the thing that makes it weird is the thing sorry to to jump in here the thing that makes it weird is that that tackle class was elite like uh, even andrew thomas who has struggled coming out of georgia uh, up in new york he was the first tackle taken right 
Tristan Wirfs, yeah, great he, 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 he bounced back so much. Yeah, yeah he, he bounced back a lot. He really banked on those athletic tools in New York to, to try to get him back or get him into to playing shape. But those four offensive tackles were definitely worthy of being in the top 10, top 15. You know, that like that's where they all went. Jedrick Wills was tremendous in Cleveland. Uh, Tristan Wirfs, obviously all pro. Um, like like those guys were worth it in a, in a really good class as well. Like that, that 2020 class was a great class. Don't get me wrong, this 2022 class is an okay class, but there's not really a top flight player that really deserves to be in that top 10 pick other than maybe Evan Neal. Like Iki Aquanu, there's some questions about the athleticism there, um, play strength as well. I mean, not play strength, uh, length and stuff like that. His physicality is really good, but uh, like he would be a maybe like he would be tackle six or seven in that class and not worth a top 15 pick. But this year, the just the, the top end of this class is so weak all the way around. That's why you're getting guys like Trevor Penning, who's maybe a top 25 pick, maybe any other year, as a top 10 pick this year. That's why you're getting Iki Aquano. That's why you're getting a Charles Cross, who's terrible as a run blocker, but arguably one of the best pass blockers in this class. There's a reason why these guys are rising up. It's because all of the other positions in this draft class are that bad. Like It's, it's not a great class overall, quite honestly. It's not a top-heavy class. Right. It's not talented, right. not as great on the top. It's a good class. There's great. There's good depth to it, just not the talent at the top. Um, one of the things with this is, like, just this last week, in a span of three hours, I think it was on Monday, might have been Tuesday, I saw a, a guy at Pro Football Focus tweet out and say, Charles Cross is the number one offensive tackle, and if you don't agree, you're telling on yourself. I saw somebody from, I believe it was The Athletic, that said, um, Evan Neal is a top tackle in this class, and if you don't believe that, you're telling on yourself. And then I saw somebody else, I think it was from either the Draft Network or the Draft Wire, that said, Iki Aquanu is a top top tackle in this class, and if you don't believe, if you don't agree with that, you're telling on yourself. Like, there's no consensus number one on this offensive class, and it's not the same as it was with 2020, where there's not a consensus, wasn't a consensus with that. It's because like they each have some glaring weaknesses. They're not tier one prospects like we had yeah. multiple guys up in 2020. Yeah. 21, uh, 2020. This year, there's a few guys that are like tier two, like middle, low tier two, high tier three. Um, and so that, that's what you're kind of looking for. And that's what it is. And then as for the 2023 class, outside of quarterback, I don't look a year ahead. Like, unless it's a guy who I happen to watch thinking he would declare and he ends up going back to school, I don't really look for guys a year ahead. There's a Utah guard um, that I, I mentioned to you a couple of months ago. I was watching a Utah game, and he actually caught my eye. Um, I think he's a redshirt – or is he a true sophomore or a redshirt sophomore? I think he's a redshirt sophomore. Um, wasn't going to declare. Uh, I can't remember his name. I know he's from Utah, Some the 73 or 75, I think is not right guard. Uh, I, I like him a lot, and I think that he actually has the tools if he grows to be a first-round pick. That's me. Like, I don't remember these names until I absolutely have to. So looking forward to another class, again, outside of quarterback, or maybe, a, you know, a freshman catches my eye, um, like B. John Robinson, the running back from Texas. That guy is freaking phenomenal. Like, I cannot wait to get him uh, under the microscope as far as a, a draft prospect is concerned because he might be the next first-round running back that goes top 15 that's actually worth it. Um, Leaf, Roebuck jumping in here. My wish list is edge times two, offensive lineman times two, D-line, and then secondary or linebacker. Thoughts? 
Um, this is actually, you know what? Let's let's go right back into this here, Eric. The the would you rather? If you're not getting Rogers at nine, last week you and I went with uh, Jermaine Johnson, the edge defender from Florida State at number nine overall. So you're not getting Aaron Rodgers. You're not getting um, Russell Wilson. You're not making a trade for a uh, an elite level quarterback. You're going to just kind of run through it. Number nine overall, you're taking an edge defender. Are you okay taking another edge defender in on day two in this class? Like, like quite on, there's there's enough depth there. You can get a starter on day two for sure. I mean, does a bear, bear crap in the woods? <laughs> um, I mean, just go back and look at what the Broncos Ed Rushers did last year. I, it's absolutely asinine to me that at the end of the season, Von Miller was still the number third pass rusher in total pressures. Still. And how many games did he miss for the Broncos? Like, and that's just his time with the Broncos. Like, it's completely asinine that that was the case. I know that there's so much hype around Jonathan Cooper. Great. You can have hype over his one and a half good games. Um, Malik Reed, like, I was saying last year how overrated he is. And I think now everybody's kind of come to that point, like, yeah, he's very overrated. Um, as long as coverage holds up, hey, he'll, he might get a pressure. Um, but no consistency there. Bradley Chubb, like, I mean, outside of the injury, like being injured and then like the rough, the slow comeback, like it, it was very disappointing watching him. Um, but I'm not ready to fully write him off just yet because how much of that was still coming back from that, uh, from the bone spurs, like, so unsure there, but you got to get, be able to get after the quarterback. You got to be able to provide help to Draymond Jones, who was the only consistent pass rusher through last season. Like, so yeah, taking two edge rushers, like for me, sign me up. That would be in not necessarily ideal, but that would be a great outcome. Getting two early pass rushers, especially in this class, being able to get like either Jermaine Johnson or David Ojabo. Yeah. Um, or or one of these top edge rushers, and then going and getting um Boya Mafe or uh, some of these other guys, um Cameron Thomas or um Logan Dude. Hall. Dude, uh, let me let me let me interrupt you here because in the second round, like yeah, like if you're gonna go uh, uh, edge defender at nine and then take another one on day two, let's bank on some athleticism and and go with David Ojabo and Nick Benito. I was watching some Nick Benito the other day. He's raw, but he's got great length. He's a little bit thin, so you need to build some bulk to him. But he's got a frame that actually can handle that. Um, not quite the, the, you know, most natural pass rusher, but there's a lot of tools and a lot of traits there and you can play him off the ball a little bit and have him as a coverage linebacker. He blitzes well up the a gaps as well. Like I like Nick Benito a lot. Like let's get some athleticism off the edge and see what happens. David Ojabo and Nick Benito, if you can like tie that up nine and like, let's say 64 or maybe even 75, like you take uh, Nick Benito number 75 overall. I'm about that line. I also like Boye Mafe, but I think that he's going to go a lot higher. Um, Dane Brugler the other day said that uh, there's potential possibility that Boye Mafe might be a first-round pick. Like, I don't know uh, a whole lot about any more background about him. I was watching him at Minnesota. I didn't like the way they used him very much, but there was a lot of tools, a lot of traits there. But if you can get Boye Mafe at 64 and, like, a Jermaine Johnson play some strength, like, yeah, I'm. there's two different ways that you can go there. This edge class is a lot of fun to, to scout through. I'm having fun with it for sure. Um, I, I want to come back on Nick Benito here in a second, but with Boya Mafia, I think it was Daniel Jeremiah, um, might have been Dane Brugler, in one of it was in one of their podcasts throughout Odafe Owe as the comparison for Boya yeah. Mafia. Mm-hmm. Um, 
as for Nick Bonito, um, I like him. He offers more as a pass rusher than Malik Reed, yep. and he offers up more as a run defender than Malik Reed because Malik Reed can't do either. Like his his run defense, like there's a reason why teams consistently targeted his side of the field when he was out there. He was atrocious at it, easy to blow off. Like you got to improve that aspect of it too, because the Broncos there are multiple games where they just got ran over, and Malik Reed. There's a big reason why. Another big reason why was Mike Purcell shooting gaps, guessing wrong, leaving up a huge hole. Like, so you got to do something to improve that. Yeah. Um, and even then, I mean, honestly, Malik Reed, he's a restricted free agent. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent next year. Bradley Chubb's going to be unrestricted free agent next year. With this draft class, not necessarily all in day in the first three rounds, but this is the draft class I'd be looking at. Three edge rushers, honestly, like. Go help improve that depth about it because the depth got so exploited. Um, you have two guys that are impending for agents. Like, go and just help view the uh, look at the future of the position and help with that. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you on that. I like Jonathan Cooper. I think that there's still some room to grow with him. But Malik Reed, still, he likes length. Man. He does. He does so much. He does, but there's there's there were still some quality flashes with him, and I think that you can kind of work around that. Yeah, he doesn't meet the necessary benchmarks for the length. I think he only had 32 and a half inch arms, which was not it's not great. You don't want that. Like you got to be 33 at least on the edge, especially in the NFL. And if you're not 33, you better have like some better leverage. And he doesn't get his his pads down enough. But there was still some flashes with Jonathan Cooper, and I think that you can still work with him a little bit. But I'm not going to disagree with you. This edge class is so spectacular. I, I mean, even another guy that I was watching the other day, and I'm going to retract a statement that I told you because you're absolutely right. Uh, Majai Sanders is a guy that you could potentially bring in as a as a day a, an early day three pick. He's at University of Cincinnati edge rusher. Good length, good strength, plays decently against the run, but not great. Eric actually talked to me about it. He says you might as well lay down in the run because he's not that great. Offers up a lot of upside as a pass as a pass rusher, and that's where I'm going to come back with you. Is yes, his run defense. He had like one great snap against Evan Neal, and it was terrible. Other than that, it was absolutely atrocious. Like uh, doing a second look, Majai Sanders. I wouldn't take him in the first three rounds, but if he's there late round four, early round five, like if he's available, sure. Why not take a flyer on the guy, especially if you go and you already have addressed that position early in the draft, like with the, with the Jermaine Johnson, the David Ojabo, um, Maybe you can get your hands on Boye Mafe um, or, or another late round guy, Jeffrey Gunter from Coastal Carolina. I like him a lot as well. That plays with great strength and stuff. Like there's there's a lot of different ways to go with this edge class, and it's going to be so much fun, guys. So please stay tuned, milehighhuddle.com, because we're going to bring you all uh, as much of this draft content as we possibly can. Uh, Lawrence Rivera jumping in here. What could the NFL do to help quarterbacks transition better to the NFL? I'm going to start this off by saying I don't necessarily think it's the NFL that needs to make the change. It's college. College football needs to make that change. They went to this easier, um, not calling plays in the huddle, calling plays from the sideline, one read and throw, stuff like that. Um, they're, they're turning out a bunch of guys with a lot of tools but they're not teaching them the X's and O's part of the game. Like they're not teaching them how to understand rotational coverages, uh, understanding what defenses are trying to do to stop the offense from doing what they want to do. The college game is where the changes need to happen. And the NFL can help that by getting some of these coaches that get terminated and say, all right, go down and help some of these young guys. You know, like 
this old guard that everyone keeps talking about the, the, it's the, it's the, the, the old guys club, you know, the, this exclusive being that is the NFL. Like everybody knows everybody. They're all interconnected and stuff like that. Get some of these guys at the college level, help some of these young quarterbacks grow. And that especially offensive tackles as well. But, uh, Get some of these young quarterbacks in NFL schemes or schemes that are similar that run more NFL style concepts and make them call plays at the line of scrimmage. Make them understand what defenses are trying to do, and that will help them transition better to the NFL. And I'm I think that that is the best way, at least in my opinion. Eric, what do you think? Uh, yeah, it's I don't think it's on the NFL. Um, there's a lot of it with, and and we've seen it with certain players here in Denver. Um, they they get that big money, they get that check, and they're they're not really interested in it in playing the game. They're interested in going and playing Madden and being the starting quarterback because that's the only way they can be a starting quarterback. Yep. Um, well, and Scott jumped in here in the private chat and said, "I'm making ten million dollars a year to win games. Piss on your development. I don't care." And that's yeah. a bad part of coaching. And I understand, you know. They're, they're just trying to make it easy, trying to make it so that these quarterbacks can come in and have some kind of success. But if you're winning games and then churning out NFL players, don't you think you're going to make more money? Like making more money incentivizes these coaches to get these players developed correctly. And if you turn out a first round pick at the quarterback position or a first round pick at the wide receiver position, throw some incentivized bonuses in there, like no. negotiate that out. And, and, and college football, you make money by winning games. That's what matters. That's true. That's very true. It doesn't matter. I mean, with recruiting, it can help if you get guys to the NFL, but it doesn't matter if you develop them. You can make them look good in your scheme and get them drafted high, and that's all that matters because then you can sit there like, yeah, I turned this quarterback into a first-round pick. What he did in the NFL, it's not that coaches that recruit that that team, that college team's responsibility. That becomes the NFL's. So there is a disservice from college coaches here, but, I mean, they're not they're not there to coach these kids up exactly. They're there to coach right. them up to do what they need them to do to win games so they can make their money. And in the NFL, it's pretty much the same thing. You got to develop, you got to have that drive and that, um, uh, that motivation and everything to sit there and do it on yourself. I mean, they'll help you a little bit, but again, it's a similar thing is they're getting paid a lot of money. They're going to teach you what they need to teach you to try to win games in their system um, and do what needs to be done. That's what matters. I mean, it's not, not really anything anybody can do. It's, except for the players, like get used to that and adapt to that and be ready. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with you, but that's just the, the way that I think about it. Like you have a pipeline <laughs> of 153 division one schools or however, and then all of FCS as well. Uh, there's, you have a pipeline that you're drawing your talent from. Don't you think that as the NFL, you would try to work with that, like, even a developmental league? And they've tried multiple times. You've got uh, the Alliance of American Football that flamed out. Um, the XFL flamed out a couple of years ago. It sounds like that might be coming back. Uh, the USFL is starting up leagues. I think it's in April here. Developmental leagues and getting these guys around NFL coaches would definitely help a lot. But you have like that's your pipeline. That is where you start with your scouting and development is at the college level because NF like football is a violent game, guys. We all already know this. Injury is hundred percent guaranteed in the NFL. You will get hurt. Okay, like in in all of football, it does not matter. You start with your pipeline. You start with the main base of your pipeline and get these players ready to go as soon as you possibly can. And starting I mean, at the college level and not developing these other leagues where now, you you know, you're going to send running back X from, you know, uh, 
let's just say Sincere McCormick, for example, the UTSA kid, uh, they're going to send him to the USFL to go and play, uh, you know, a, a seven or eight game season in the spring and then expect him to come back in August and play, you know, in training camp and be ready to go for the NFL level. Why would you do that? Like that just does, it doesn't make sense to me. You chose the worst position because running back is the one position where you don't want them playing extra games. That's what I'm because saying. Because their, uh, their, their bodies take so much damage. That, like, so uh, you can't sit there and you can't, you can't want these other leagues and everything like that. And here's another thing with you is what 119 big schools, power five, all that, like um, 119 of them. Imagine that there's about a hundred, about 75 to hundred players on them. I'm sure there's actually more than that. 3,200 players roughly in the NFL. Like you have about 60 to 70 for NFL rosters with injured reserve and about say 30 per team for in free agency. I know it's a little bit more than that. 3,200. You're going from over 100,000 to 3,200. Again, they don't give a crap about developing because if you don't do it, so they'll find somebody else who will. Right. Next, and guess what? Next year, there's a, there's a crop of 1,200 new players coming in from college football that they get a look at to replace you. So, yeah. no, it's like, sure, you, we can sit here and we can talk about things that the NFL, that coaches, all these things can do, but it's really, it comes down to it's like, Players got to be ready. They got to get ready to work. They got to be ready to have that. They got to have that drive. They got to be not stupid and break rules and stuff like that and get themselves in trouble and lose favor with the coaching staff. It's on them. Right. Yeah, it it, it is. It is. The way the world works. It's no different from any other job. You do your job. You can stay motivated. Otherwise, they will find somebody to replace you. Okay. All right, guys, we're at our hour, but we got a lot of supers that are uh, piling up here. So we're going to run through these really fast. I had a couple of more really good questions here, but maybe I'll hold on to those for Eric for the next time we do this. Give us about a month or so, um, probably shortly after the combine. We'll do another mock draft and then another one of these would you rather shows as well. So here in about a month, maybe right about the beginning of free agency. So uh, we'll, we'll kind of pass on those. But Travis Weber jumping in again and showing his support. We appreciate you, Travis, uh, always and forever. Uh, great show guys tonight. Uh, wishing you all a great weekend before I go. Uh, who are you all taking in the Super Bowl? Yes. Yes. This is, I'm, I'm excited for this conversation that it is on Sunday. Eric's not watching because he doesn't watch the Super Bowl unless the Broncos are actually in it. I, I was actually going to yeah. ask you that earlier. I like, I, I really was <laughs> going to ask you that earlier. If you were going to watch the game this year or not. Um, what was it? The one Seattle Seahawks one? Like I watched the first quarter of that. Then I passed out drunk. <laughs> um, but no, I won't. I won't watch the Super Bowl this year. I'll try to maybe watch the halftime show. Um, part of it is I'm just too busy. Like I've got stuff that I'm, I'm doing. I've got scouting stuff. I've got to finish eventually. Get around to finishing my scouting list and getting all the guys on that scouted. Getting write ups done. I'm extremely far behind. Um, so no, I'm not gonna watch the game. I. It's going to be too difficult for me to find somewhere to watch it. I don't have cable. I don't have satellite. I have streaming services. So, like, yeah. So, uh, we're actually making the trek down to go see my folks this weekend because they wanted to hang out. We were actually trying to make the the trek a couple weekends ago, but it didn't actually work out. But they uh, they want to hang out with uh, with the kids this weekend, and this is a big reason why. That is my stepson, Jace. So for you guys that are listening after the fact, you don't get to see the picture, but that is my uh, stepson, Jace. He's 13 years old, and he is wearing his favorite player's jersey because his favorite team is the uh, Cincinnati Bengals, and he has a Logan Wilson jersey on. So for Jace's sake 
And because uh, uh, I want to see him be absolutely miserable, I'm rooting for the Rams. No, I'm just playing that. I, I want I want Jace to 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 win a Super Bowl. I uh, he I, so shortly after I took that picture, I uh, I, uh, I was asking him a bunch of questions. He says, "I'm 13 years old. I've uh, never seen what a playoff game looks like. I don't understand what's going on right now. All I know is that we're going to the bleeping Super Bowl." And he actually said the bleep word that you're not supposed to say on shows like this. Um, he didn't get in trouble for it because he was that excited. But uh, yes, I will be rooting for the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase um, and my guy, Logan Wilson, from the University of Wyoming, from Casper, Wyoming, Natrona County High School. So uh, yeah, I've, I've got enough reasons to root for the for the uh, Bengals. Uh, I would like to see Von Miller win another Super Bowl. That's the whole reason to go for the Rams. I understand that. But you know what? My family Aaron is Donald, a lot. Matt uh, Stafford. Yeah, my my family's a lot closer to me than the Broncos are, and I, I I know how terrible that sounds because I bleed orange and blue. But you know what? Uh, I have to bleed orange and black this weekend. Damn it! Oh man! Uh, so Peter jumping in here uh, sounds like a good year to trade our top pick for a quarterback. Then yes, yes, please do, please and do trade for the thing of how overvalued first round picks are, like just super overvalued. The Rams haven't had a first-round pick in, like, the last four years. They don't have another one for the next two or three years, and they're in the Super Bowl this year. Like, first-round picks are great to help build the core of your roster, but if you're using those first-round picks to get you players that are actually proven and, like, proven commodities, it's working out pretty well for the Rams, I'd say. And none of it matters if you don't have a quarterback. Exactly. Uh, Lawrence Rivera jumping in here. Who uh, Who is the top athletic trainers to seek out this year? Because everyone knows we need a good one after the last two seasons. And Lauren Landau. I don't know. I, I That one is okay. – um, I, I got one. I got one. Um, it wasn't necessarily an athletic trainer, but he was a, uh, um, a strength and conditioning coach at our high school, Coach Scott Schultz, who was actually working, I believe, in Colorado Springs, or at least the last time. No, wait, no. He actually moved back to Wyoming. Never mind. Um there's a good strength and conditioning coach, but that's just because he's a guy that I know. So uh, uh, maybe I'll shout him out if I see him here in the next couple of days. Uh, Michael Ronquillo, great show tonight, Lance and Eric on the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. Uh, go Broncos. And as always, Michael, thank you for your support. We appreciate you, buddy. Scott, what you got next? There's a big one here from Naj. We got to grab Naj, who was awesome at the Mile High Huddle meet and greet. Uh, sorry, Scott, I'll uh, grab this really fast. Uh, Naj came in. And uh, he actually got yelled at. Uh, Eric, I don't know if you were standing right there when that actually happened. So uh, we were we were sitting there behind watching uh, Chad and Zach chop it up on the the post game show. And Naj has a dirty mouth. He is a, he's a potty mouth. He likes to say words he's not supposed to say on on live shows and stuff like that. And Chad actually turned around and said, Naj. Easy with the F-bombs, dude. We're live right now. So it was actually pretty funny. But uh, uh, Naj says, uh, appreciate you, brothers. Enjoy the weekend and go Broncos. And as always, Naj, we appreciate you as well, buddy. Uh, what you got here? Uh, Leaf jumping back in. I think we as fans have unrealistic expectations of young quarterbacks. They used to do an apprenticeship for a reason. Time's Eric? changed. Yeah. Like, you got to get, you got to start winning earlier. Like you don't, you can't be afforded that time. One of the biggest reasons for that is the rookie wage scale. Now, um, you're not investing big money on these quarterbacks to where, not like you, they were to where yeah. you kind of sit there and got to keep going with them. Like, you just don't, you can't afford the time. Coaches, they can't afford that time to try to get a young quarterback going. Um, you get two, maybe three years anymore as a quarterback to turn it around and start winning. 
Well, think about this for a second, guys. Sam Bradford, when Sam Bradford was the number one overall pick for the for the St. Louis Rams back then, uh, he got a six year deal for seventy two million dollars. Most of it was guaranteed. Like six years, seventy two million dollars. Like back then, back was two thousand seven. I think is when he was drafted. That was a lot of money. Like that's that's huge. That's more money than Justin Simmons makes now. Like and Justin Simmons is one of the top five safeties in the NFL. That was a quarterback contract back. That, that was the number one overall contract back in two thousand six, two thousand whatever the hell year it was. Like you had the the you had that big of an investment in that position in that player that you had to stick with him. You had to see where it would go. And Bradford had a yeah. pretty decent career. Like honestly, he really did have a pretty decent career for the most part. He was not the was number one overall. Yeah, the injuries, uh, the broken collarbones twice, a uh, torn ACL twice as well. Like, uh, like he played well, but he wasn't worth seventy-two million dollars. And back then, you had to to bank on that. Now, with the uptick in the way that these rosters turn over and stuff like that, the not spending so much money on the like Eric said, the rookie wage scale and stuff like that. But also, how about this one? The landscape of the NFL, especially in the AFC. Think about what you have right now in the AFC. You have four of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL are playing on the AFC side of, of the, the conferences. Okay. Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, like th- that's four guys right there. Potentially Aaron Rodgers, potentially Russell Wilson, like five, six, seven guys that play on the AFC side that are all under the age of 30 that are going to be taking over the NFL for the next 10 years. If you don't have a quarterback, especially in the AFC that can compete with those guys, you're doing it wrong. Like you have to have a guy. You have to have that quarterback and like preferably a young guy that can grow into something elite and grow into something special that you can go toe to toe with those guys for the next 10 seasons, because that's what it's going to take. Like you need to have that quarterback hit immediately. Yeah. Well guys, we got to wrap it up. Got a mess from Jed. He's got contact going up on Facebook. So we got to get out of here. Otherwise it creates some issues. So uh, we weren't able to get to your stars or your super chats. I apologize something that i we absolutely hate doing not being able yeah. to get to it but uh lance kind of went off a little bit longer than i expected on that and <laughs> a few other things and, well, i mean it's all good um we'll try to get to them next week if you guys are in here and if we remember them um thank you guys for joining us and i'll let lance take it off from here yeah and again guys thank you all for joining us on the dove valley deep divers podcast you can find us on twitter by finding me at sanderson mhh for eric at eric trickle and also shout out to scott kennedy behind the glass running the ones and twos at scout kennedy um while you guys are at it guys um at mile high huddle that's the mother account where you're going to find breaking news and analysis on your denver broncos um film breakdowns opinion articles uh anything regarding the broncos that's where you guys are going to find it uh, Facebook supporters, make sure you guys go to facebook.com slash mile high huddle. Click that blue become a supporter button where you guys are going to get premium content like the trickle zone, uh, like Kellerman's Corner, uh, Broncos Book Club with Chad Jensen. Maybe I might try to sneak in some special appearances on some of those shows, uh, do some more draft breakdowns with Eric on the trickle zone, something like that. I don't know. We'll see what happens here. But that's a great way to support the show. Um, folks, if you guys are financially able to do so um, and you want to help support the show in a great way, go to huddleuppod.com. That's the merch tent, guys. That's where you get this state of being uh, Mile High Huddle hoodie. You can get a Dove Valley Deep Divers hat. There's a face mask. There's a coffee cup for Broncos for breakfast. Um, another Huddle Up podcast, a coffee cup, a onesie for your baby, something for the guys, something for the gals, anything to suit your fancy. That's where you're going to get it is huddleuppod.com. And folks, if you guys aren't financially able to do so, you don't want to support the show that way, we get it. We really do. It, it, times are tough right now. Inflation's getting ridiculous. But if you guys, uh, wow, that's a ticker now. Uh, if you guys are watching the show, regardless, doesn't matter. Subscribe, please, to Mile High Huddle on YouTube specifically, but on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, um, 
uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever you guys get your podcast content, subscribe to Mile High Huddle. If you like it, like every single video you guys see. If you see it on, on any social media platform, click the like button because that helps a lot. But if you really love it, please share it. Share it out in front of as many Broncos fans as humanly possible because without your guys' support, we could not do what we do best, which is cover your Denver Broncos. Now, with that, Eric, before we get out of here, is there any last words? Uh, we got to get out of here. Um, appreciate it. Um, Peter, um, I saw you ask a question. Go ahead and hit me up on Twitter. I looked back. I saw it. It's something that I definitely want to answer. So go ahead and hit me up on Twitter. If you have it, I believe you do. I'm not positive. Um, if not, just ask it. Ask it next week because it's a question that I really want to talk about. I know Peter's friends with me uh, or follows me, and I think I follow him on Twitter as well. Um, send it to me if you don't have Eric, or just get at Eric at, at Eric Trickle, um, T-R-I-C-K-E-L, uh, and, and get it to him there. Um, but, uh, yes, if you guys have any questions for us, please come at us on Twitter. We're always available. Um, my phone's on me all the time, so we we definitely understand. If you guys don't get an, uh, an opportunity to talk to us on the show, we are more than willing to reach out to you guys as well. So with that, guys. You all stay safe. Take care. Have a great rest of your weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Be safe. Please be safe. If you need a driver, get someone to drive you. Don't make Call any Lance dumb mistakes. Yes, I do drive professionally, <laughs> by the way. But uh, probably not going to drive very far to go and get everybody because I might need a driver myself. <laughs> but uh, please stay safe and take care. Have a great rest of your weekend. As always, go Broncos. And for this weekend only, I'm going to say it right now. Go Bengals. Go Bengals. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Same time, same place on the Dove Valley Deep Divers. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.